constantly through uh, communion with an Advent focus, which is uh, fantastic, really helpful, uh, ties in with very much of what I have to say this morning, which I hope will bless you. Uh, we've spent the last 10 weeks, 11 really, maybe 12, if you include the sort of the prequel and the uh, mid midway session of the One True God series, we've spent 10 weeks looking at 20 different attributes of God or characteristics of God. And this morning, you can find out how to use those attributes, how to use that knowledge that you've gained, that understanding that you've, you've gained to have a more enjoyable Christmas, and also find out how to discern and develop your understanding of God's will for your life. So I hope that sounds uh, attractive to you or interesting to you, but that's, that's the sort of where we're heading this morning uh, as we look to God's word and as we reflect on the last 10 weeks and look ahead to uh, next year and what's uh, going to be taking place. So uh, primarily we're going to be rounding out the series, this One True God series. And one of the things that we, we've done as we've sort of looked at this series, as we've talked through it, uh, we've said that the aim was uh, sort of to, to do what Brian has just prayed at the end there, to, to know God more clearly, to love him more dearly and to serve him uh, or follow him more nearly. Those three things, that's sort of been part of the theme. We haven't expressed them like that. But one of the things that we wanted to do is, was to encourage people throughout the series to, to think about the attributes of God that we've talked about and reflect on how they interact with one another. And if you remember way back when or sort of throughout the series, we've talked about the idea of uh, these, these different sort of facets of a diamond, these different faces of a precious stone that as the light catches them, it reflects out the other side differently or it casts a different light on these things. So as we've looked at the fact that God is infinite and incomprehensible and uh, self-existent and self-sufficient, that these things modify one another or enhance one another. And so would encourage you to, to maybe go back and reflect perhaps on how your understanding of the fact that God is so loving will change your understanding or has, has enhanced your understanding of the fact that God is self-sufficient as well. So we want to sort of see how those things interact and that's something that you can go back and reflect on yourself. But when we began back in September, we reminded ourselves that in John 10, Jesus tells us that he has come that those who follow him would have life abundantly, would have abundant life or life to the full. And then we looked at what that real life is like, what that full life means. And John said, uh, Jesus said this in John uh, 17 verse 3, this is eternal life. You can't get more abundant than eternal in terms of life. This is eternal life that they know you, that we would know God, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. We said back in September that we wanted to live the most abundant lives possible the fullest lives possible. And so to that end, we've been trying to increase our knowledge, to know God more clearly, to take what are huge, to some degree, un incomprehensible topics and distill them in a way that we can kind of grasp some aspect of them. We try to increase our knowledge of the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent in the hope that as we did that, we would love him more dearly. Our hearts and our affections would be 
turned towards God, would, would be directed towards him. And that as our affections are turned towards God, that our hands and feet, our, our sort of willingness to serve, to follow more nearly, as Brian said, would be, would be tied into that, that we would follow and pursue what we love and that we would serve God more readily and more fully in our daily lives. And that in doing this, as we expand our horizon of this is who God is, this is Jesus who he sent, I love him more, I want to serve him more, that as we do that, we would begin to live in the light of eternity, not just today, but live not with just today in mind or even with tomorrow, but with eternity in mind. And so as we finish, we need to reflect individually, has that occurred in my life? Has that process of increased understanding or head knowledge resulted in stirred affections towards God, which has resulted in a desire to serve more readily and fully? Has that occurred? And am I living my life with, a, with a, an eye on, or with hopefully with more than just that, but with my mind set on eternity rather than just today. And it's appropriate to ask those sorts of questions at this time. We're in the second week of, in the church calendars, the second week of, of Advent. We, um, we sort of sometimes stick to that uh, sort of more strictly than we have done uh, this year in terms of what we do as a church. But it is a season of Advent. This is when churches around the world, our brothers and sisters across denominations, reflect on, as Marion and Brian shared, that Jesus came into the world. God came into the world a couple of thousand years ago and was born. And that we look ahead as well to he will come back. Jesus will return. It's a time when we should practice anticipation. We should reflect on this is what it must have been like to be waiting for the Messiah to come. It, what would it have been like? We are waiting for the Messiah to return. And so we need to, it's a time to get excited. It's a time to uh, practice patience. It's a time to be encouraged and it's a time to persevere. I would like to say that people don't really understand encouragement. Uh, I think encouragement means to put courage in yourself or in someone else, to be encouraged. And it's encouraged is the word, but it's to have courage put into you. This is a time when, during Advent, when we think God came into the world, Jesus is going to return. It should put courage in us. It should put bravery in us. It's a time to be excited God breaks into human history. He doesn't leave us abandoned. He breaks into human history. It's a time to practice patience. I don't know if you've got uh, Advent calendars in your house. We've got a, a number, we've got small children, and um, a, my mother-in-law still buys me an Advent calendar, which is very kind of her. But I was reflecting the Advent calendar that... Um, We've got some that have got the story of the nativity in it. So each day you open it up and there's a bit of a story. And then there's an, a, another set of calendars or another calendar that has chocolate in it. Uh, and so each day, and there's like a picture which has no real significance. Um, and there's a chocolate in there. And I was reflecting 
just the other day, and maybe this is um, slightly cynical of me, but I was thinking really it doesn't matter which order you open those doors in on the chocolate calendar because there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to that with the exception of one that's slightly bigger, um, which maybe has a slightly bigger chocolate, which is for Christmas Eve or something like that. But one to 23, those doors can be opened in any order, whichever you, you know, whichever order you like, because there's nothing significant about them. Whereas the, the advent calendar that has the story of Christmas, the, the nativity story written out it, behind each door, it does matter which way you, you open those doors. And so it's important for us that we practice patience and we, we do things in, it's, it's helpful to have that sort of structure and that order because as we step through each day, we begin to reflect on a different aspect of the story. By doing that, we can actually enjoy things more. If, if you take the approach, you can open any door at any time, you could just say, well, I'll just open up the Christmas Eve one, have the big chocolate now, and then I've got nothing to look forward to. So I wanna encourage you to practice different things. So the spiritual disciplines that we've talked about a number of times over the past few years and a sort of different stages, practice these different things over this Christmas period. Practice fasting ahead of the feasting of Christmas Day. The longing for food that you will experience as you fast will reflect the longing that you should have for the return of Christ, for the return of the bread of life. As we sort of reflect on the attributes of God that we've looked at over these last 10 weeks, Think about those things as you sing Christmas carols, as you listen to Christmas carols. A couple of lines from O Come, Let Us Adore Him. Come and behold him, born the King of Angels. The one who is sovereign over all, born is the King of Angels. Word of the Father now in flesh appearing. The one who is self-sufficient, infinite, the infinite becomes an infant. He's incomprehensible. The, the self-existent, self-sufficient, eternal, immutable, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, sovereign, holy and loving, good, just, merciful, gracious, faithful, patient, truthful and wise God becomes a baby. Word of the Father now in flesh appearing. Does that, it should blow our minds. This should be, again, a, a sort of a, a brain melting, a, you know, shut down, can't comprehend it. I need to just sit and think about this for a while, moment for us. Born the king of angels. Fascinating, amazing. But this morning, I want to ask you a question as we reflect on the season of Advent where we're thinking about God came into the world, Jesus will return one day. The one true God is going to return. And I want to ask you, are you waiting for that or are you waiting for something else? What are you waiting for? 1 John 2 15 to 17 says this, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. I think this is uh, an especially challenging portion of scripture uh, if you've engaged in any way with Black Friday uh, or in the lead up to Christmas. I, as I was reading this, it just struck me, do not love the world or the things of the world, things in the world. All that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. Now, I'm going to just add in a disclaimer here. There's nothing wrong with Christmas presents and buying things. Those are, those are things that happen in, in life. And I've bought my children presents. You know, we will exchange gifts in my household. And that's a good thing to give gifts and to demonstrate affection and love for one another in that way. But as a dad, as a father, as a sort of a husband in my family and in my home, what am I encouraging my children? And as a family, what are we sort of focusing on in this season? When it's very easy to be, we live in a time where we're assaulted, and I think that's the right word, we're assaulted with advertisements and uh, propaganda, really, that says, you need this. You need this. Do we live for the desires of the world? Are we waiting for Christmas Day or the Boxing Day sales, the New Year's sales? Are we waiting to get because we are living with the desires of this world? Or are we living and waiting for the return of the king? We should live through today in the light of knowing that those who are followers of Jesus Christ will follow him through the grave into eternal life. If you're a follower of Jesus, your eternal life has already started, but you're gonna to have to go through the grave to get there unless Jesus returns in your lifetime. This world is passing away. I think it's fantastic what was said in the communion that when Jesus returns, this will be swept away and it will be made new. I think it's a, it's a, it's a sort of slightly a nuanced thing, but I think we can often think too much in terms of when I get to heaven, rather than when heaven and earth are made new. When the dwelling place of God is with man and there's this new heavens and new earth where we will experience unhindered encounters with God. This world will pass away. The, the best present you get this Christmas will pass away. It will, if it's a physical item, it will rust. It will just, it will, dissolve in some way. It might take thousands of years if it's made from plastic, but it will eventually degrade into nothing or into very small particles that are of no use to you. We can live in the light of eternal life because we can look back and see Jesus came into the world. God 
broke into human history that there was a moment where everything changed. From that point, he was born to die, that he was, his life led to the cross. And the entire history of the world hinged on that, changed. Everything changed. But we look ahead now to his glorious return. He died, he rose again, he's ascended on high and he will return. And we are counting down the days until his return. And I'm sorry to say there's no accurate advent calendar for that. There's no, nobody knows. We've talked about this a number of times in the past. I'm not going to go over this again, but anyone who says, you know, buy my advent calendar for the return of Jesus, there's, you know, 600 doors on it. Hey, maybe you'll get 600 chocolates, but that's all you'll get. It's, nobody knows. But we should live counting the days, aware that it's not, we're not just going through the motions. We're, we're waiting. We're anticipating that. And that affects how we live. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting to do the will of God? Are you desiring to do the will of God? Or are you waiting for the things of the world? Well, as I said at the beginning, we're going to, hopefully, this will... This morning will equip you to at least begin to discern what the will of the Father is. And you might say, oh, well, I don't know, I don't even know what that is. How can I find out? And I think this question of what's God's will for my life? What's God's plan for my life? I think it's a massive question. It's really, it is really important. It's one that I think people get hung up on in an unhelpful way, though. Individually, there are things that God has planned for each of us to do. But we shouldn't get stuck on trying to work out what those things are. We can, we can sort of take some simple steps to find those things out. We can follow what has been revealed. God's individual plans for us will make themselves known and will take place as and when he wants, wants them to as we broadly follow his will for his followers. As we do that, as we sort of take sort of, I suppose, slightly bigger steps, little situations will begin to pop up. Little things will begin to emerge where you go, oh, this seems to happen a lot. I seem to spend a lot of time with this kind of person. Maybe God wants me to, to, to invest my life in sort of follow that direction. Oh, I seem to be getting lots of invitations to teach people about the Bible. Maybe that's going to be part of my, or, you know, in small group, people always look to me to, or ask me to do the Bible study. Maybe that's going to be the direction that God wants me to go down. But perhaps you're starting from scratch. You don't know where to begin. Well, actually, we can discern the will of the Father through reading the Bible. Big shock. He has made it known. He is not a sort of coy, toying with us God who says, follow my will, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. You have to try and work it out. No. God has made it clear. He doesn't hide his will from us. If we just look at some 
scriptures briefly, we can get some clear steps to take in discerning the will of God. Romans 12 tells us that in view of God's mercy, so in view of what Jesus has done, in view of the cross that we've been saved, we should present ourselves to him as living sacrifices. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a challenging verse, a living sacrifice. My life is given to you, to worshipping you, to serving God. It goes on to say that we should not conform to the pattern of this world, that this, the pattern of this world, the, the regular things that occur, this is, okay, you do these things, these are, this is how you live your life, that we shouldn't be conformed to that. Our lives should look different. We should be out of sync with what is taking place. The pursuit of financial security is not necessarily how you should live your life. The pursuit of extending your career and being the top person is not necessarily how you should order your life, structure your life. A good career, financial security, they're not bad things. But how we go about those things should look different. The pursuit of a, a romantic relationship, how we do that, the pattern of how we pursue those things should be different to the world. The world would say, go and try as many different people as you can, try them out for a while and see which one works best. The pattern of the Christian life should not be like that. This is the will of God. These are the sort of, I think, the three prime directives. If you're a Star Trek fan, the prime directive uh, was to not interfere with uh, civilizations. But I think the three prime directives or prime directions from God to his followers, to the human race, are these things. Matthew 27, uh, 22, verse 37 and 40 says this. Jesus said to his disciples, love the Lord your God, uh, to the, he's being tested and asked what is the, uh, the greatest commandment and Jesus says this in response to a challenge, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and a second is like it, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. All the law and the prophets, everything that God had communicated up to that point hangs on these two. Love God with everything you've got. Love your neighbour as you love yourself. Jesus talking to his disciples said this, All authority in heaven and on earth, this is Matthew 28, has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. From these two short sections of scripture, I think we get the prime directives, the prime directions for the Christian life and the way that we can begin to discern for our individual lives what God wants for us, what God has planned for each of us. Love God with everything you've got. Love your neighbour as yourself. 
and make disciples. These form a base filter for what we're doing and how we're living our lives. By doing X, Y or Z, am I fulfilling one of these criteria? Am I loving God by what I'm doing? Am I loving my neighbour as myself by what I'm doing? Am I making someone more a disciple of Jesus by what I'm doing? If not, should I carry on? So I want to ask you, what are you waiting for in terms of doing these things? What are you waiting for to love God? What is stopping you from loving God? Maybe that's slightly, uh, slightly harsh, but does your Bible look like this? You know, is that God's message to you? Read me. I used to like listening, I still do like listening to a guy called Keith Green who sang uh, worship songs and getting a cheer, sort of silent cheer over here uh, from the tech team, um, from Gareth. But um, he, he said, you know, he sang in one of, one of his songs lyrics was that, you know, the Bible is not just a book that should be collecting dust on the shelf. It's God's word. Do we cherish it and love it? Someone in our Explore group shared a video recently, uh, I think it might have been shared on Facebook as well, of, um, I'm not sure when the video was recorded, but it was someone who'd been to a nation where Christians are persecuted and they were doing a Bible study and this person, one of the people in the Bible study knew the entire book of the Bible, I think it was one of the uh, one of Peter's letters, knew um, the entire book off by heart, didn't need the Bible to sort of be, participate in the Bible study because Bibles were so scarce and so rare that they'd memorised the whole thing because it's a precious resource. Familiarity can breed contempt, can't it, as the expression goes. I'm not saying you, you've got contempt for the Bible, but have you become over-familiar with the fact that I could just pick it up and read it whenever I want? That it's, it's, it's lost some of its preciousness. What's stopping you from loving God? If I asked you, if you, maybe this is irrelevant to you and you said, you know, I read my Bible every day, I love it, I spend time praying every day, I spend time worshipping God every day, I live my life in a pursuit of holiness. Fantastic. But if I was to say to you, ask you those questions, do you live in a pursuit of holiness? Do you worship God every day? Do you uh, spend time in prayer, speaking to God every day? Do you read your Bible every day? If you were to answer no to those questions and I asked you why, what would your response be? I can't find the time. I find it boring. I'm just not motivated. I don't see the value in it. What would be your reasoning? What would, what's stopping you from loving God? I want to encourage you. This is a, a, a thing that I, I did a couple of years ago. Uh, last year I was very poorly at Christmas, um, so I didn't actually do this, but the year before I started what I hoped would be a new tradition, which was that at Christmas dinner, to just before we begin eating, to, to take communion as a family, to 
reorient ourselves, to focus on the fact that we are feasting, we're about to feast as a reflection of the feast that we will have when it's the wedding supper of the Lamb, the wedding banquet of the Lamb, when the church and Jesus Christ are reunited in that glorious moment or united perfectly in that glorious moment. We feast as a foretaste of that. So maybe that's something that you want to do with your family is say, actually, let's, let's focus on this. Let's, or maybe you'll, be, um, you, you'll have something, a different idea that you think will work well. But what, is, what are you waiting for to love God? How can you integrate your affection for God into your life? It's easy. It's easy on Christmas Day. Oh, we've got to get to this place. We haven't seen anyone for so long. We're so excited to be together as human beings again, able to interact for a few days with uh, uninhibited by government restrictions. Even that should be a, there should be a, a sense of, I'm anticipating seeing my family or friends or being with other people again. Even that should, should replicate, it replicates something of, I'm anticipating, I'm desperate to encounter Jesus more fully. What are you waiting for to love your neighbour? Maybe you know someone who's not going to have anyone to see on Christmas. Fantastic that, you know, if you've got people, you've, maybe you've got too many households that you want to spend time with. But maybe there's someone you know who doesn't have any. Or maybe there's just someone that you know, actually, I could demonstrate love to that person. It might be your literal neighbour. We've just got some new neighbours on one side, and so just trying to sort of get to know them a little bit, it's difficult under the current sort of things, you know, keep your distance, all of that sort of stuff. But maybe it's your literal neighbour that you could show love towards. Maybe it's a family member someone you'll see at Christmas maybe for a long time, but how can you, what's stopping you from loving people? What's stopping you? There's these different sort of spheres of influence, I suppose, or circles of influence. It's not a 3D uh, shape, but maybe spheres has, has double meaning. But there's yourself, you, you know, love your neighbour as yourself. So you need to look after yourself. That's, that's implied in that. But we have, you know, we've got a, the closest relationships around us. Maybe your really close friends or your family, children. Uh, if you're married, your spouse. If, if your parents are still alive, you've got your parents that you can uh, show love towards. People that you work with. Do they know, have they experienced love from you? Friends, hopefully your friends know you love them because you choose to spend time with them. But could you, you know, send someone an encouraging message or phone them? And if you've got hobbies, I don't know uh, how those sort of things work for you. I'm looking forward to, I've got a sore back at the moment, but I'm hoping that tomorrow I'll feel fine and I'll be able to go to, to football, Monday night football, which will be back on, having been on for like four, off for months, on for four or 
so weeks and then off again. I'm looking forward to seeing hobby friends, guys that I wouldn't normally see and being able to, to wish them a, a Merry Christmas and maybe invite, you know, invite them to uh, the various things that the church is doing over the Christmas period and, and you know, extend some sort of love towards them. What's stopping you from doing that? What's stopping you from loving your neighbour? What are you waiting for to make disciples? This is a, a thing called the Engel scale, which I think is helpful to some degree. It's not uh, foolproof, but it talks about how people ha encounter Jesus, how people come to an understanding and a response to the gospel. And, uh, you know, there's these various steps and I don't think this is necessarily uh, exhaustive, uh, but there's, you know, you've got people one end who have no awareness of God. And then you've got people at the top end who are, you know, we would say on fire. They're, they're desperate to sort of follow Jesus and they're pursuing righteousness and holiness and love and affection for God is growing and it's increasing. And they're sort of trying to try to share their faith with other people as well. Can you move someone on a step? Can you make, what are you waiting for to make disciples? Are you waiting for someone who is desperate to know Jesus to be placed in front of you and said, here you go, have a, have a, have a try at discipling this person? Or are you going to make disciples knowing that Jesus has said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and make disciples. Now, it might mean that actually, you know, you, in your family, it, would be, it wouldn't be appropriate to have communion before Christmas dinner. But you might be able to say, would you mind if I gave thanks, said a prayer of thanks for Christmas dinner before we ate? Can you nudge someone from a number one to a number two? Can you nudge someone a little bit further up? Is that something that you, where can you do that? I'm sure we all know of positions that we could do, could do that. My neighbor who's, who's just moved in, I think two days ago or something like that. Um, I, I don't know if they're Christian or not, but by simply by me befriending them, by our family befriending them, it increases them on this scale. It nudges them towards a relationship with God. Maybe God has got a plan for their life that involves us befriending them, speaking to them, sharing the gospel with them. What are we waiting for? What's stopping us? Is it, are we unmotivated? Are we afraid? Do we lack know-how? I wanna to say to you, as we go across to Christmas, Next week's going to be a slightly different service. Uh, and then the week, so we, you know, we won't be doing a service exactly like this until the new year. So I want to sort of say over this Christmas period, when you get the chance to spend time with people, love God, love your neighbour, make disciples. Be on the lookout for that. Let's continue to put our hope in... Jesus.
continue to put our hope in the one true God. Reflect on all that we've learned and allow it, allow it to, to sort of sink down from your head into your heart to fuel and motivate you to serve and follow Jesus. I'm going to pray for us that we would receive the Spirit and that we would be like the disciples who when they Jesus said to them, when you receive the Spirit, you will be receive power to be my witnesses. So I'm going to pray that we would receive power this morning to be his witnesses over this Christmas period and into the new year. Father God, I thank you that you love us. You sent your son into the world to save us. I thank you that you have poured out the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross. That you came to save us. You loved us. Even as you were rejected and scorned and people turned away from you, you continued to love and forgive. So I pray this morning that we would receive the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the, the empowerment to be witnesses. I pray you would pour out your spirit again on us as a church that as we go to uh, spend time with various families and all the dynamics that they carry, whether that's uh, loving our neighbour is simply holding our tongue in the middle of a, a difficult conversation or whether it's uh, speaking up to confront uh, a, a difficult situation. Lord, I pray that we would be guided by your spirit. We would have the, the courage and the power to follow as you lead. Lord, I pray that we would have affection stirred for you. That all that we've learned over the last 10 weeks would not just simply be head knowledge that collects dust in the, on the shelf of our memory, but would stir and motivate worship of you. Worship that is expressed creatively and worship that is expressed in a pursuit and a desire for holiness. And Lord, I pray that we would be good at making disciples, that as we grow ourselves in our knowledge and affection and service of you, we would be looking around to see who can I nudge towards that as well? Who can I help? Who can I give a boost one step up to? One step up, one step up. Bring those people to mind, Lord Jesus. I ask all this in your precious name, Lord, that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit.